Well, Christmas has finally arrived. All right, just a quick show of hands. Who's already opened some presents this morning? Anyone? Yeah, my kids were so excited, except my little girl, Louisa. She was still kind of sleeping when we were opening this morning. But uh, it's here, and we are so excited to be here with you this morning to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus. We've been anticipating this day for over a month, and we finally made it. We know the reason for the season is Jesus, but there are other aspects to Christmas that we do enjoy, aren't there? I can find myself getting excited about a number of things. I love presents, but more than presents, I think what I love most about Christmas, besides Jesus, are the different Christmas feasts that come along with the day. For me, the food festivities begin after Christmas Eve candlelight service. We make our way over to my sister's house and we just gorge ourselves with snacks. It includes mini cheesecakes, salami, cheese, crackers, sugar cookies, scotcheroos, and all the other great Christmas cookies that my mom makes. Shout out to Lori Vriesman. <laughs> After snacking for a while, it's time for dinner which includes copious amounts of crab for all you alliterated people, chilled shrimp, company potatoes, and of course the greatest homemade jello salad of all time. I don't know what's in the white sauce, but it's delicious. By the end of the night, it feels like there's no way we'll be able to eat for the next few days. That is until breakfast the next morning. When my wife wakes up early, to make me homemade lemon ricotta pancakes with homemade whipped cream and fresh berries. But it doesn't end there. Thank goodness for in-laws in the same town. We then go over to my, my in-laws house and we have prime rib. Oh, yeah, I heard that. And all the other amazing hol holiday staples. And when we're done with dinner, it feels like there's no way anything could literally fit inside our stomachs. That is until dessert. Now, I don't need to go into too much detail because my love for pie has already been extensively documented over the course of the holiday season. But needless to say, Christmas is a day where I am stuffed. I feel myself so full, but there's something about it I think we can learn. Every Christmas, through the different feasts I get to participate in, I fill myself, and I fill myself, and I fill myself, only to find myself a little bit unsatisfied, wanting more. It's not enough to have one feast, not enough to have two feasts, three feasts, then dessert. There's always more that I long for. I think that we often live our lives in a similar manner. There's something about our human nature that makes us long to be filled, but never seem fully satisfied. We try to fill ourselves maybe with work, with friends, with school, drugs, alcohol, sports, traveling, food, or anything else that makes us feel good in the moment. But continue searching for that one thing that'll make us feel full. That one thing that'll make us feel life. 
In John 6, Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 people on a hillside. And it said that those who ate, ate as much as they wanted. Yet, less than 24 hours later, this same group of people, or some of these people from that group, came searching for Jesus again so that he could give them more food. They had been fed well, but were unsatisfied and wanted more. Jesus would use this opportunity to teach these people of a food that would never cease to satisfy. A food that would never cease to fill them. A food that would allow them to never go hungry and that would bring them life. Our scripture passage for today comes from John 6, verses 25 through 33. And our scripture reader for this week is Marvin Barnes. So Marvin, can I please have you stand up and make your way to the center of the room? Uh, Would all of you, if you're able, please stand and rise for the reading of God's word. We stand and we face the center of the room to remind us of the centrality scripture has in our lives and also to remind us that it's the primary lens which we determine how we live. So Marvin, whenever you're ready, go ahead and get started. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Well, then they ask him, well, what, was, what must we do to do the works of God? Jesus answered, the works of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. So they ask him, well, what signs then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Thank you. Our passage today starts with a crowd of people And this crowd of people find their way to a synagogue in Capernaum where this takes place. And upon finding Jesus, they ask the question, when did you get here? The crowd is confused because they saw Jesus just the other day in a different town. And they saw the disciples go off on a boat without Jesus. You see, they had no idea that Jesus had walked across the water 
to reach the disciples en route. Instead of explaining when he arrived, Jesus would respond by telling the people why they were following him. He knew the reason he was being followed was not because of the amazing miracle they had just witnessed, but only because of the food they had received because of it. The people following Jesus were only concerned with being filled with the temporary, the things that don't last. They were looking for another free meal. Jesus, knowing this, used this as an opportunity to encourage them to work for a food that wouldn't spoil, a kind of food that would fill them spiritually, one that would fill them eternally, one that would bring life to them. His words would pique the curiosity of the crowd, leading them to ask, what do we have to do to be filled with this eternal food? Or maybe more accurately, hey, what do I have to do to get what I want from you, God? The response of the crowd is something worth paying attention to. Because it's easy for us to find ourselves in a similar mindset. It's easy to think that, hey, if we do so many, good so many good deeds, if we follow God's word just good enough, that maybe God will just give us what we want in life. But God is not a vending machine where we give payment and good works in order to receive his blessings. The people assume that in order to get something great from God, there would be some type of law to live by or works that would need to be done. But Jesus would give them an answer they wouldn't expect. Jesus would respond by letting them know that the work would not be theirs. The work would be God's. And that all they would need to do is believe in the one who was sent. The life-giving food that God has to offer all of us cannot be attained by anything that we do, but is a gift to be received because of what he did. This answer elicited a longing from the crowd for Jesus to give them a sign, like, let us know that you are legit so that we can believe in you. And it's in this moment we should feel a bit sorry for these people because they were missing what was right in front of their eyes. They had literally, 24 hours ago, just witnessed Jesus perform this amazing miracle of feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and some fish. Yet they wanted a sign to prove they could believe him. But not just any other sign. One that would feed them again. They wanted their next temporary fix. It's amazing how easy it can be for all of us to forget the amazing things God has done in our lives as we pursue our next temporary fix to be filled. They remind us, they remind Jesus that Moses made bread come down from heaven. Can't you do the same thing for us? In essence, they were saying, Moses fed us with a food sign, give us one too. Jesus would go on to make sure they knew where true bread from heaven came from 
It did not come from Moses. It came from God the Father in heaven. And his bread was like none other. It would give life to the world. The people listening to Jesus in this story had a longing to be filled. For them it was a longing to be fed the way they were on that hillside a day ago. They weren't concerned with anything but receiving their next meal. For them it was a longing to be fed the way they were in a way that wouldn't last. I think we often live our lives in a similar manner. It might not be with food. Maybe for some of us it is. I probably have that problem. But we have a tendency to want to fill ourselves with material and temporary things of this world that don't last in order to fill our, the different voids in our lives that make us feel empty. We'll secretly turn to the internet to find intimacy. We'll open up a bottle to take away the stress of the day. We'll work those extra hours so we can get the extra money so our family can have the things we didn't have. Or we spend hours on social media manufacturing an image and identity we want portrayed to the world. We purchase large houses and nice cars. We take amazing vacations. We get our kids the newest presents. We get the best seats for the concerts and games. All these things can fill us for a minute but we eventually get hungry for more. It's never enough. Now don't get me wrong, there are good things in this world that can sustain us for a season, that can help us survive for a moment. But there's nothing of this world that can truly give us life. When we fill up on what the world has to offer, it can taste good in the moment. It can taste like success, fun, victory, gratification, power, or feeling like we're in control. But Jesus teaches to fill ourselves with a different food. Instead of consuming the material or temporary food of the world, he teaches us to fill ourselves with a spiritual food, the bread of God. This bread has already been paid for and is a free gift to us, rooted in love. There's nothing we have to do to work towards it. It's a free meal. All we have to do is believe in the one who was sent. Jesus would eventually go on to tell the crowd the identity of the one who was sent. John 6.35 says this. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Jesus made it clear that he was the bread of God. He was the bread of life. He let the people know that whoever put their faith in him believed in him, would be eternally satisfied. And he invites each and every one of us to take part in a meal that is so filling we'll never go hungry or thirsty again. This meal tastes like nothing 
the world has to offer. It tastes like peace, hope, joy, and love. When we fill ourselves with the bread of life, we'll find that our hunger for the material and temporary things of the world start to go down. There's not as much of a need for it in our lives. The feeling of emptiness we have will begin to disappear. During the Christmas season, it's easy for us to fall into that trap of trying to find life through filling ourselves with the material or temporary things in the world. We fill ourselves with presents, family get-togethers, feasts, parties, and vacations. As I said, these can all be really good. But it's important for us to hone in on and remember that we have a Savior, the one who is sent, the bread of life, who can fill us and satisfy us in a way that nothing in this world can. He can fill us with his peace, his hope, his joy, and his love that gives us life in this world and beyond. Today, we get to celebrate the one who is sent, the day where the Son of God went from a bun in the oven to the bread of life. Amen, right? An important piece of the Christmas story is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And this is significant for us here today because in Hebrew, the translation for Bethlehem means the house of bread. This means that Jesus, the bread of life, comes from the house of bread. How cool is that? How cool is it when we can see the intentionality of God and his word? We see some more intentionality in another aspect of our story. You see, the Greek word for bread in our passage is artos. And artos comes from the root word, airo. And airo means to raise. This means that the bread of life, Jesus, the bread of life, is also Jesus, the one who raises life. It might seem like a quick jump, but the one whose birthday we celebrate today would end up sacrificing himself on a cross so that one day we could be raised to life with him for eternity. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this day where we come and we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus. We thank you for the life that he gives each and every one of us, the unity that allows for us to come together in moments like this to remember how great you are and how great your sacrifice was for us. We love you and we pray that this morning you will be with us as we go with our families and we do fun things and make great memories, 
Lord, help us primarily remember the life that we all share through Christ. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.